Hello, welcome back to BU. It's Jill. And I have a question for you. What do you think about when I say the word wellness? What do you see? What does it mean to you? For a lot of people, wellness is nutrition and fitness. Some people have expanded their view of wellness to also include the spirit, connecting mind, body, and spirit. I'm sure there are people who believe that wellness is simply being content, being happy, being grateful. And none of these answers are wrong, of course. In the beginning of 2022, I announced that this podcast had five different sort of categories. And I was going to hold myself accountable to explore each one of those categories. And one of them was health and wellness with an emphasis on an expanded view. Some people use the term biohacking, right? So with biohacking and with alternative medicine and understanding why it's even called alternative medicine, looking at holistic medicine, remedies that you wouldn't hear about from an allopathic practitioner or from the mainstream, ways of living that make us healthier, and increase our vitality that we may or may not even know about. And so I was thinking about that. And as I was thinking of you, I was thinking, you know, I certainly don't claim to know any more than anyone else on this planet. I'm just sharing my journey and what has helped me. And as I said in the introduction to the podcast, using my journey of growth and healing trauma, et cetera, as a roadmap for other people. And when I think about health and wellness, I can't believe how much my view or my definition has grown. And it's evolved into something I wouldn't have even recognized years ago. And so for me, people like Josh Trent, our guest today, are such a gift because people like Josh woke up to this long before I did. You know, I sort of had my awakening in wellness when I went from eating junk and thinking because I was thin, I was healthy, to understanding the truth about the food that isn't even food that we are consuming, learning about supplementation, the power of phytonutrients and micronutrition and minerals, et cetera. And it was really focused around nutrition. And now when I look at wellness, I think of people like Josh Trent. I look at wellness and wisdom. I look at the encompassing definition of wellness, which includes spirituality, spiritual health, which includes things like understanding the power of the breath and breath work and understanding it's not a trend. Just because more people are aware of it and talking about it doesn't mean that it's a trend something that has been known for a long, long time. And people like Josh have studied this intensely and thoroughly and integrated so much. And then they teach us. So I'm really, really, really honored to call Josh a new friend and to have him on Be A Podcast and to bring him into your awareness if you didn't already know who he was. This is such a beautiful conversation. He is a beautiful person. He is gentle. He is truly, truly committed to sharing and paying forward and teaching everything that he has learned that has helped him, the good, bad, and the ugly. His podcast is 
so, so, so powerful. And he has interviewed well over 400 people. I mean, these are powerful, high-level interviews with huge influencers in the world of wellness, meaning not just the traditional term of wellness. And so Josh has studied and experienced things that I have not even approached yet, and maybe you haven't either, for years and years, for, for almost 20 years, actually. And he's, he's very young to have been on this journey for so long. And now he's so well known in the space for being a light and a truth teller about what it means to have wellness and wisdom. So if you don't know about Josh Trent yet, he is the founder of Wellness Force Media and the host of the Wellness and Wisdom podcast. Josh has spent the last 19 plus years as a trainer, researcher, and facilitator, discovering the physical and emotional intelligence for humans to thrive in our modern world. The Wellness Force Media mission is to help humans heal mental, emotional, and physical health through podcasts, programs, and a global community that believes in optimizing our potential to live life well. Josh's life is dedicated to supporting humanity coming together as one. After publishing over 400 high-level interviews with some of the most respected minds in the health, wellness, and self-help industries, Josh has been spotlighted in major wellness media outlets such as Onnit, Spartan, and SealFit. Josh holds a CES certification from the National Academy of Sports Medicine and is the creator of the Breathe Breath and Wellness Program. This is a 21-day guided breath and wellness program using ancient wisdom to boost your immunity, calm your mind, and give you freedom from chronic stress in the modern world. Josh is also the CEO of Civilized Caveman, helping women and men live better through practical tools for wellness, personal development, and paleo-friendly recipes. He has so much knowledge and information, so much I could have asked him about in this interview. I mean, this is why you really want to dive into and dig into his website and start following him and learning from him. This conversation you're about to hear, I would just say again that it's a beautiful conversation. It's it's thought-provoking. It might be confronting. It's eye-opening, enlightening, educational, really, really brutally honest. I just loved it. I loved hanging out with him. And I'm so grateful that he crossed my path and I crossed his. So here is my new friend, Josh Trent. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. 
here I am with the Josh Trent. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to Be You, Josh. I'm excited to be myself with you, Jill. Yay. So Josh and I, as I said in the intro, like we don't know each other yet. We're connected through some amazing people, one of them being my husband. I'm a big fan of his work. Really, really honored to have you here, truly, Josh. I know I said that before we recorded, but you are a wealth of knowledge and you are so approachable. And a lot of people aren't when they start to know a lot and they get to a point where they have a lot of knowledge, then they're not as grounded and not as approachable. And I love that about you. Super approachable. Your kindness just comes through your smile and your eyes and your voice, but also what you put on Instagram. And I I can feel things very easily. So I could feel that as soon as I got onto your account. And obviously what you have learned over the years, you've been doing this for a long time and you take it so seriously. I know it is not just your craft, but it's your passion and who you are. So it's a big honor to introduce you to this community. We've had people in, I don't know, about a hundred countries, all different cultures of women. And if you don't know a lot about our podcast, this isn't, you know, the rah-rah, go be you, you know, this is really a discovery. Like I'm learning with them, you know, and unlearning with them. And what we are doing together is figuring out who the hell we are. Like, how do you even figure out who you are? And then how do you celebrate that, that woman unapologetically? And so I would love for you first, before we talk about everything you do, will you, because you're so good at this, and I selfishly want this, will you just for a minute, just ground us, you and I together, and then us with this community with a couple of breaths and and a few words? Sure. Let's put both of our hands on our belly button. Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that there's a balloon behind your belly button. When you breathe in richness through your nose, I want you to fill the balloon and just hold for a second. Hold that, feel the pressure in your nose, feel the pressure in your chest, your stomach. Now collapse the balloon, exhale through your mouth. (sighs) Two more just like that. Rich inhale through your nose, belly goes out, fill the balloon. Hold. Let it go, audible sound. (sighs) Rich inhale through your nose, last one. Fill the balloon behind your belly. Hold. Feel your heartbeat on your skin. Exhale, audible sound, relax. <sighs> Just go back to your normal breathing with your eyes closed. Relax your jaw, relax your face, relax your shoulders, roll your neck around a couple times. Relax all the muscles that surround your eyes. Relax your jaw. Just take one more rich breath in and out. <sighs> Just feel grateful that you spend time here learning what it is to be you authentically, without pizzazz, without social media posting, without all the bullshit that sometimes gets in the way that the ego loves to feed on. Just be grateful that you're in a body. And this body has supported you from day one since you grew inside of your mother. And if you're a parent, it's how you hold your children too. Just be grateful for that. And just feel the gratitude of that welling in your heart, almost like waves of the ocean crashing against the shore of yourself. And just be in that gratitude for one more breath. And just flutter your eyes open when you're ready. And let's begin learning about who the hell we are. That sounds like a good conversation to me. <laughs> mm, it was beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay, I am going to make sure I put some of this video on Instagram. Because before we started, guys, he was like, wait, you don't do video? 
Like, no, Josh doesn't know what all of you know. And that is that I've been stopping myself. It's so safe to just talk into the microphone and not be on video. So yes, I know how to do it. I just haven't done it yet. But I'm going to put this out there, especially so they can see um, how they can great see your all of beautiful that. studio and how you look. All oh, that's just how great your background. Okay, so please introduce yourself. And I know there are so many impressive things in your bio, but I also want to hear um, who you are, like who you really are. But tell it to everybody. Also, the things they want to hear. They're going to go. Okay, what does he do? What is Wellness Force? Yeah. The ego, the intellect, which I love, by the way, they're not bad things. They're, they're meant to be our friends. They always want to know, well, who is this person? What do they do? Right. You ever feel that inside of yourself where you, you kind of barks? It's like, why should I listen to this person? I get it. I do it too. So to satisfy that, <laughs> to satisfy that part of yourself, it's been 20 years now, 20 years of me just learning every possible thing I can to discover my own physical and emotional intelligence. And by the way, intelligence is not how smart we are in this container of wellness force media. And 10 years of it was a fitness professional and about seven and a half years of it now have been podcasting, which, you know, wellness force podcast, I'm saying it now on your show, it's going to die. There's a death and rebirth process that I'm going through. The wellness force will now become wellness wisdom. So we're rebranding the podcast, which I'm really excited about. But if you wanted to know me in a nutshell, I'm this CEO of wellness force media, but inside of it are two things. There's the wellness wisdom podcast. There's wellness force media content. And then there's civilized cavemen content, which is keto and recipes and things to empower people from a nutritional and a mindset standpoint. But who I am as a soul is very different than the lens that people see me through as a businessman. Who I am as a soul is I am a very curious human being who's a father, who's a partner, and who's a pillar in his community that truly wants to learn how to live life well. And you know, now that I say that out loud to you, it's like, it's not too different than my business lens. It's just when I'm able to communicate my soul's mission, it feels sometimes different or it looks or sounds sometimes different than my business mission, but actually it's the exact same thing. It's just different words to describe it. So in a really small nutshell, it's a conscious media company. And we put out content, both audio and video that helps people discover who they are like you're doing and also make sense of the intelligence that they're getting in. We feel that our audience and everyone that I know is really drowning in knowledge, drowning in information. And so what I want to bring to people in my mission here is to bring the wisdom because wisdom has a different essence. It has a different feeling than just knowledge or information. It sure does. And I feel like the people who aren't as tapped in to themselves, they can tell there's a difference. And then at least in my experience, the more I've learned to, I didn't even know what it meant, by the way, to be in your body until a year ago. <laughs> but the, <laughs> I, I didn't. I was all about mindset. But I think that yeah. at least in my experience, when you really come home to yourself, you can feel what you just said. You can just feel the difference. And that, again, goes back to one reason I was really excited to have you on the show and also just to meet you and start you know, learning from you. It's very real. So, okay, besides breath work, like what are some other ways that you have learned to really, really have what you just described? Well, I think it's backwards and I fall into this trap myself because sometimes I want to have something first before I'm being it. And a lot of, I think what we'll talk about today, especially when it comes to like Brene Brown, hint, hint, we'll talk about that later, is around this arbitrage that we're all experiencing. And that is the attention and the attention being monetized that we have, the, the currency of attention. It seems that not a day goes by that like quick wit and quick words and great marketing can enroll people into something that maybe they weren't looking for. Maybe it looked for them. 
And so when I, when I answer your question, I just want to have this caveat of saying like a lot of the things I'm going to describe, yes, they're tools. Yes, they're tactical. They can practically help you in everyday life, but they're not the thing. You know, the thing is loving yourself, knowing thyself. And I know those might be platitudes too. Somebody might hear that, Jill, and they may be like, well, yeah, I get it, Josh. I'm, I'm going to love myself. Oh, I get it. I'm going to know myself. But, but truly, are you doing it? Because every single thing that we're doing is either bringing us closer to knowing who we are or to projecting out who we are based on someone else's mirror. Or we're not really interested in knowing ourselves because we truly don't love what's there. So I had to say that as a preframe because, yes, breathwork is a powerful tool. And in 2016, I was working with Mark Devine at an Unbeatable Mind retreat. And I don't know if you know of Mark Devine, but he's a Navy SEAL commander. He's one of the most, I guess you could say, world-famous retired Navy SEALs. But he's a very spiritual man. He's a ex-Zen. I think he's a Zen master. I think he's a, an ex-martial artist as well. But anyways, why I found the breath is because I struggle with a lot of anxiety and depression in my life. And so it wasn't until I found the breath via having lots of plant medicine experience that some of them knocked me on my ass and gave me a psychic break around the corner was the breath and the breath was there the whole time. And so when I found the breath, I started to find all these other things that were beautiful complements to the breath, but the breath is actually my anchor. It's where everything I do comes from. It's, it's, it's everything in my practices and in my arsenal. So of course, Jill, you know, there's state change modalities. There's, there's cold therapy, there's sauna, there's Vipassana meditation, there's going into a float tank, an isolation tank. The breath work is a powerful lever that we can pull for our autonomic system, right? Autonomic being automatic. And that's the lever that we all have inside of us that either shifts us to loving and rest and digesting, which is parasympathetic. Like you just yawned right there. Like that's exactly what we need to do. We all should be yawning more, but yet we're taught that we need to go, 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 which is the other side of the ANS, which is like the sympathetic side. So that's the part of us that wants to drive and get it done and take advantage and do all these things. And so none of these things are bad or wrong. It's just that anytime we spend too much time in one of them and get stuck there, we lose what Lao Tzu teaches us as the middle way. So that's my final tool that I've used is, is books and knowledge. But I'll share this thing. And this thing is the arc. And I think we all go through the arc. We just don't know it. And the true arc of wellness is that we spend time gathering. We listen to Jill's podcast. We go out and take courses and we do weekend retreats and we learn from Tony Robbins and we have like a stack of books and we do all these things. That's the gathering phase. So that's how we start the arc. And then in the middle of the arc, when we're really getting down to where the rubber meets the road, the middle of the arc is application. So we gather, then we apply. And when we apply, that's when we start actually doing the things. We take the emotional inventory. We have the hard conversation with our spouse, with our partner. We look in the mirror naked at ourselves and tell ourselves that we love ourselves, which that can be terrifying for some people, right? We forgive ourselves. We forgive others. This is the crunchy, real work that, that a lot of people skip over and they just actually look at what it would be like to continue on the arc and they go right back to gathering. I'm going to get more certifications. I'm going to get more things. I'm going to, I'm going to do more. I'm going to be the squirrel, but really you don't need a lot. You only need a handful of things to apply. And then at the end of the arc, before the arc repeats again, you know, it's there as embodiment. So we gather, we apply, then we embody. And when we embody, we are actually wearing inside of our bodies, somatically, energetically, etherically, esoterically, whatever kind of lee you want to put on it, all the things it's in our body. 
It's like you meet someone and they have an essence to them and you can't really understand why you feel them, you see them, you can't put words to it, but you're like, I trust that person or wow, that person's wise or yeah, I really get that person. It, just because it's within them, it's what's emanating from them on a, on a vibrational level. And then that's, by the way, different than law of attraction. So those are the tool sets. I framed it for you with this lens of self-love and self-awareness because that's what all these practices and tools and things are for, right? Self-care and self-love. So it's a myriad of things, but they're all baked, Jill. They're all baked into that arc of wellness and that arc of intelligence because that's wisdom is ground into us as we go through cycle after cycle of that, the gather, the apply, the embodiment. That's a super high level of these tools as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because I was caught up in mindset work like a lot of people. And I won't criticize myself for that because I didn't know any better. I had never heard of, I told you a year ago, I heard someone say, get into your body. It was someone we both know, Steph. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'd never heard that. And I know a lot of people listening, if they listen to this podcast, they're no longer in the trap of mindset work. But will you just speak to that for a minute? Like when you look out even you know, I hate to bring up social media, but that's where we usually find this stuff, you know, online, we're going to find coaches and experts, right? Experts. And so many people don't say what you just said, and they make a lot of money. And then people spend a lot of money in that cycle you just talked about where they never move toward embodiment. Some, as you said, because they're blocking it, but some like me, I didn't know I was all about just affirmations and shift your mindset. And I was right, really good at parenting it and, and teaching it to people, which gave me a big ego boost and made me feel really good about myself. And the truth is, I didn't understand why it wasn't sticking. I get it now. But will you just talk about that and, and just even just the whole, I'll call it industry? Yeah. Wow. I might talk for a while. So y'all buckle up because that's a huge, you just dropped like the biggest bomb in my field right now. The reason why this is such a big topic is because there's some pretty big layers to it. What you're talking about is intellectualizing our healing. So when we intellectualize our healing, we can get caught up in one of the three lenses that are the most important for us to know deeply. And I mean deeply. The first lens that we see everything through because we're in a physical conduit, we're in a physical body, is the intellect or the ego. It's the part of us that's logical and linear that wants to get shit done, that wants to read all the books and understand all the things. And if I can just understand why my partner does that or why that exists in the world, well, then I'll be at peace. But it's, it's the ultimate lie. Because we can't heal a spiritual and emotional issue or a malady with, with the intellect. And and I've done a really, really great solo cast on this in depth. And I'm going to pull from that just from my memory today with us. It's, it's called uh, A Victim of Intellectualization. And this came to me when I was on a vision quest last year before the birth of my son. And I realized that I myself, and we all fall into this, become victims of our own intellect. Now, how does this happen? The first lens of awareness is the mind or the ego or the intellect. The second lens of awareness is the heart. It could be, you know, behind me here, I have the chakras and and the heart chakra is green. It's the uh, Anahata Ananda is a friend of mine. And that's, that's really the heart essence that I feel from her. So we feel things in our heart. If you've broken your heart, you actually have physiological changes to your heart. If you feel sadness or grief or despair or anything that you feel, you feel it, by the way, in the heart. A lot of research points to us feeling in the heart first, even before the mind gets it. And then the third lens that we need to have when we talk about this trap of mindset work or just think positive, the most important lens we have to look at is the lens of the soul. And that might scare people, Jill. People be like, what do you mean soul? 
you know, especially if they were raised Catholic or Christian. There's nothing wrong with those religions at all. I think however you want to be in connection with a higher power is your business. And if it makes you feel good and you feel that it's not hurting you or anyone else, great. But that lens is obviously the most clouded because our soul is the connection to the divine, to the higher power, to the thing that runs all things, to the thing that loves all things. And it's not some bearded dude in the sky. I don't believe that. And if you believe that, it's fine. But those are the three lenses that we have to address, right? And we can only address those three lenses when we're aware of all of them. So think of it like, remember when you're a little kid and you would look through a kaleidoscope and you would like see all the, the colors and the fractals, you're still looking through one lens. You were still just looking through the whole, the kaleidoscope. Well, that's what's going on with your observer, with the thing that watches you, which is you, it watches all three parts of you all the time. And to the degree that you're giving love and attention to all three of those parts of yourself, well, then you can actually be free. Then you can start seeing the three parts of yourself from the lens of the observer, like you did when you were a child looking through a kaleidoscope. It's the exact same thing. We just get trapped in thinking there's only one lens. And we forget about the other two lenses completely. We forget about the observer. We throw it all out because it's not science. Science has become the new God. Dr. Fauci has become the new God. We're all, we're all marching lockstep to the beauty and the wonder of the WHO and the CDC. Who doesn't give, really, in my opinion, a shit about your health and who you are. Maybe they started out that way, but maybe they forgot about their other two lenses too. And maybe they, maybe the CDC and the who need compassion from us. Maybe Fauci needs compassion from us because he, they forgot about their other two lenses. They're trapped in the intellectualization as well. They're trapped in that whole change your mindset, change your life. It's true. You can change your mindset and change your life, but the mind can't live without the body. The body can't live without the mind and the mind and body cannot live without the soul, period. End of story. So that's the pre-frame. That was like just the first layer of your question. Because there's so much to unpack there. Just in, in that first layer alone, we're talking about years of work there. Years of work to start integrating what I'm saying here. And by the way, I'm doing it too. Like I, I, Just because I'm telling you this, it's only because I have awareness of it. I haven't mastered it yet. I'm not in full mastery of it yet. I just have an understanding and an awareness where I can speak to you in archetype, or I can speak to you an example, because it's something that I've done with myself and with my clients and my relationship and, and our programs. So that's the first part really, Jill, of like, first, let's identify that we've become a victim of our own intellect. Let's give the other two lenses some, some gusto, some attention, some love. And let's be curious with it, you know? And then after that comes emotional inventory practice and a lot of other things. But I think really it starts with awareness and curiosity. That's, that's the starting place for us. Okay. So what would you say? Thank you. What would you say about the teachers out there, the coaches? And, and no disrespect because they are helping people. And I believe personally that the vast majority truly do have people's best interests at heart. I really do. I believe that they're excited about what they've learned and they they want to share it and they want to teach it. But they, as you just described, are caught in that trap and they don't know it and they don't see it. My question is, because this is where you live, I don't. Is there conversation in that arena between like, I'll call it, I don't know what word to use. Not everyone calls himself a coach, but in that space of yours, because I'm an observer of that space. Are there conversations or have there ever been forums where you're all together and, and people have been open to just taking a look at what you just shared? Or do, are some of them just, once they're deemed an expert, they just have the tunnel vision even more? 
I've always wanted to ask someone that because I don't get to be a part of those. You notice I just like really took a breath before I answer your question because I would say that the determining factor to know if someone is speaking from their heart, awareness of their ego and a connection to their soul, if they have an integration of those three things, they might talk fast. Like there's some times where I can talk fast, but I also know when it's time to pause and when it's time to like let something land or when it's time for me to take a breath. Previously in my life, what I used to do when I was like nervous is I would like talk really fast and do the best job I could because I'm so amazing. And then when I started to slow down and like be more wise and honestly be more loving with myself, which is a lifelong journey. I'm not saying that I perfectly love myself either. But in the awareness of this and at the core of your question, there's there's an even deeper question. And the deeper question is, if in coaching industries and if in personal development industry, and, and let's say just within client services in general, where someone with knowledge and wisdom is sharing that with another person, the most important thing is humility. That is the most important thing. Now, the dance that all of us walk, myself included, is how do you still be humble, but also how do you still be yourself? And that can be a very challenging piece for us because, you know, we've been taught through a lot of religion and a lot of societal dogma that if you're having fun or if you're happy, then you're too full of yourself. So a lot of people dim their light. And if you're confident. And if you're confident, right? But you and I know it feels different in our body when we're talking to someone, when we're spending time with somebody that is truly integrated. Like they, they're not just all cockiness. And this is how I figure it out. Whenever somebody's speaking to me, either a coach or a client, or if ever I'm seeking wisdom from someone else, I always watch them and I go, do they pause to see how it's landing with me? That's a really big one. Does the coach, does the practitioner, do they pause and do they check in with the people that they're teaching or coaching or guiding to see how it's landing? If they're just talking and talking and talking because they know the best thing, they're caught in the intellect. They're caught in the intellect. You have to pause You have to give space for your students, for the people that are with you to receive the guidance and to give you feedback on how you're doing as a teacher, as an educator. If you don't do that, if you've gone 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes and you haven't checked in to see how the people that you're really there to serve, see how they're feeling, then that's how you all know. That's how you know that someone's trapped in their intellect. And I see that a lot where people will just go. And it happens on my podcast sometimes. Some of the biggest names in the world. They'll talk for like 20 minutes straight. I have to interrupt them because they're so caught in their own intellect. They're not, they're not really concerned with checking in. They're not really concerned with pausing or listening. You know, the art of listening is like a reciprocal. It's like a boomerang. So I think that's, that's a really good place to start with this whole what's happening in the coaching industry. And then the last thing I'll say is what's happening in the coaching industry is that people have become master marketers, master marketers where they know exactly what to say. They've gotten trained for NLP. They know about linguistics. They know how to market. They know about coloring. They know about enunciation. They know how to do all these things. And they're really good at enrolling people and what they believe. So that skill of enrollment can make you very successful. And it's also putting you on blast in truth for all of us to see if you're a victim of your intellect or not. And unfortunately, I can see it in a lot of people in our space. And I can see it right away. I can, I can see it pretty quickly. With some of the biggest names out there. And I'm like, I can't believe people are still following this person. I can't believe people are still just regurgitating this person's wisdom. Because it's really not wisdom. It's just, it's just information. So, and look, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Oprah, Eckhart Tolle, Tony Robbins. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. 
they are all human beings too. And so the more relatable, the more humble they can be. That's the first part. Obviously there's more to it, but, but the first part is really like, we need to be humble and we need to pause and check in and then we can let it rip, be in our ego, have fun, you know, have some flavoring for the soup. Like we can do that. Uh, Cause the world would be boring without an ego. You know, if, if we didn't have egos, it's like everybody would be eating white toast with no butter and just drinking hot water. Like yeah. that would just be very bland. <laughs> we, we have to have the ego so that it makes us us, but an ego unchecked is a victim of the mind. Mm-hmm. I heard you say your ego is your amigo. Your ego is your amigo. <laughs> I heard you say that once. Okay. So I didn't think we were going to talk about this, but really quick, I do want to ask this. So if I'm listening, here's what my question would be. Okay. I get that. So now I trust you, but what if you're not the only person I want to learn from? I think I know what you're going to say, but how do they gauge? Because social media is tricky. Like when you just said, they know the colors, they know, I'm like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? I didn't even know people looked at new stuff like that. Like, I don't want to know any of that because I just want to be myself. Like, I really don't want to learn NLP. I don't want to even know. I had to ask someone recently, what is NLP? Like, I learned it in a coaching certification program I just did. We had a module on NLP and I just kind of skated through it and just didn't pay attention. I said to one of the coaches, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Something about it didn't resonate. So I didn't even pay attention. I just kind of answered the questions really quick. And she said, if it doesn't resonate, do not go there. Like don't. And I, so I don't want to, but how do these people who are looking at this world of social media, how do you recommend that they sift through and they really can tell who is in, I will all say in their heart. I need to take your question in here. How I do it for myself and how I would guide other people to do that, just based on my own knowledge, based on what I've been through, is I would pay attention to what it feels like in my own body. That would be the best starting place. So if you're feeling something in your stomach, you know, in like second, third chakra, and we could say chakras if, if we're talking about, you know, that type of wisdom, we could also just say meridians. We could just say areas of the body. So let's just, for whether you're a science or spiritual person, it's all the same thing. So if you're feeling tension in your stomach, then that's like a trust faculty. If you're feeling something in your heart, like maybe you're feeling fear, or maybe you're feeling something in your throat, that, that deserves attention as well. But if you're feeling nothing in your body and you're watching this person and all you're doing is just getting excited about what they're saying, but you're literally feeling nothing in your body, then probably you're on the train of intellect with them. If you're listening to them and you're not really feeling like, oh yeah. And we all know how it feels in our body when we like really love something or we trust someone we don't need to be excited to trust someone. Trust is built from like this deep, slow, compassionate place where we just, we know it and we don't have to explain why we know it. We just know it. It's like, you know, when I met Carrie, I was like, ah, that's the mother of my child. But I didn't need to like explain it to anyone. Or, you know, when you're with a partner, it's like, that's my partner. But I don't need to explain it to anyone. Or when I'm working with a coach, it's like, I don't need to explain why I'm with them. I just know that I'm with them, but there's not just because we can get caught up in, especially with, with NLP, I'll use that as an example, you know, neurology and language and function, right? Like neuro-linguistic programming. It's, it's literally programming and you can share about your program, but from what I know, NLP is a way of delivering and articulating words with different tones, enunciations and pauses so that we'll really have things land for the subconscious mind. So it's a way for, for reframing things that can happen for you instead of against you. But what happens is you have practitioners that use NLP 
and they don't have the best interest in mind. They're just using NLP because they want revenue and they know exactly how to speak to your subconscious. Or you have practitioners that are skilled in NLP and you can feel their heart. And that's the key. I said, feel. You can somatically experience what's, what's going on with that person because you feel it. You feel it maybe in your bowels. You feel it in, you know, for lack of a better term, your bathroom muscles, you know, your anus, your sex organs. You feel it in your belly button. You feel, it. You feel something somewhere. And that's how you know that your guidance system, for lack of a better term, that's how you know your guidance system is working. So, so start there and then welcome in the mind because the mind will, sometimes we have feelings and emotions and we think that they're thoughts. And sometimes we have thoughts and we think they're feelings and emotions because we haven't spent time understanding the three lenses that I've spoken about. We just, we just don't practice it. We just simply don't practice it. So get clear on those three lenses, start feeling things first. So start with the physical, then Go to the emotional, feel your heart. Like, okay, what do I actually feel about this person? And then use your mind. That's a good starting point. Because sometimes we'll reject something or someone just because they're a trigger. That person triggers me and that's probably they the person- They remind me of my ex. Yeah, and they don't know that though. They're like, yeah, I don't want that person. I'm like, yeah, it's probably the right. coach you should hire is the one who's triggering the shit out of you. That's what I would think. I would say that's the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, Jill. It's like, you know that the person is triggering you and you know you can trust them. But the ego will sometimes create a story and say, I can't trust this person because the ego doesn't want to be evolved. The ego's job is to stay fucking the same. <laughs> That's the ego's job. I love that. And stay safe. Yeah, I, I can think of someone right now online who has the big following and has, I mean, checks all the boxes. And I know that she triggers me. I'm aware that it has nothing to do with her. I understand it's triggering stuff in me. And at the same time, in my body, I just know not for me. It's both. And then, as you said, other people trigger me, but I know it's just my shit and I'm moving forward towards them. Interesting. Okay, okay. I have so many things I want to ask you. So it's interesting. I feel like when all of us do what we do and we're in it, like you're so in what you do, sometimes you don't realize what a big deal it is. Like sometimes you don't realize, because right, you want to be humble and you, but but yet confident. But I, I think that when I was asking you before we hit record a little bit about telling you that I don't really know a whole lot about what you do other than what I hear in your podcast, will you just say again, you said you have programs, will you just go into that more? Like how in the world did that happen? How You're very young. So how is it that for 20 years you've been learning this stuff and how exactly, how exactly are you helping people? Because side note, let me just say this to everyone listening that I can't wait for them to hear your podcast because just name three guests that will impress people listening if they know that you interviewed that. Just three people that were like, it was a big deal for you. You were like really excited that they were on it. Yeah. Dr. Kelly Brogan, Dr. Zach Bush, and so many others. You're going to make me pick three? There's no, so just many. two's fine. Two's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just go with those. There's so many others. But yeah, those, those are the ones that, that I really enjoyed. It's so amazing. Okay. I enjoy all of them. So how did that start? I was, I mean, the, the quicker backstory that still has the most depth is that I, my mom has manic bipolar. I was born to her and she did an amazing job for what she had. The cards dealt with her. My dad left home when I was super young. And so without the right tools, without the right modeling, and again, they did truly the best they could. Sometimes the best that parents can do is not enough and that's okay too. It's all okay, actually. And so with that lack of intelligence, with that lack of, I guess you could say safety, I was not comfy in here. 
I was not comfy. I'm, I'm touching my body right now. I was not comfy in here. And I, you know, found food. I found a really powerful drug called food. And it was my solace. It was what I would go to when I would feel uncomfortable. So flash forward, I'm like 21 years old. I'm drinking at a party and I look down. And I'm like, oh my God, I hate my job. I hate my woman. I hate my body. What am I going to do? First time in my life I had ever been, I felt touched by God. And I looked up at the sky at that moment and I was like, there's more to life than this. There's, there's more to life than this. I'm literally trapped in a cycle that so many people get trapped into. And that is, I'm going to drink. I'm going to do everything I can to not feel, to not reside where I live because I live right here in my body. But I'm going to do everything I can to get away from it because I'm scared of being you. I'm scared of being myself. And that took me on a really big journey. I sold everything I owned. I moved to Hawaii. I was there for six months. I found the ocean. I learned about feminine energy. I was scared of it. <laughs> I think even at times it still scares me. <laughs> and that led me to fitness. And I was in fitness for 10 years. I was a trainer for 10 years and 10,000 hours clients, really cutting my teeth at like how to hold a conversation, how to listen, how to truly listen to someone and how to offer what I thought was the best. And then let that go. Still on a journey of self-love, went to corporate America, committed spiritual suicide. So for two years, I would like go into a cube. And my money was great. My money looked good, but I hated my life. And every day I would wake up and be like, you went from training to this. You went from being a personal trainer to this. Then I got my ass kicked so hard in 2015, 20, 2014, actually, that I got fired. And it was the most liberating and terrifying thing ever. When I got fired, I knew on a golf course one night I was crying. I had just broken up with one I thought I was going to be with. I'd put my mom in a mental home and I got fired from my job and it all happened in like six months. So it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And I was like, God, like, what do you want me to do? I'm not going back to that. If you want me to live a life of how I've lived, then you should just kill me now. Because I don't want to be here anymore. And I just, you know, asked for wisdom. And I said, you know, God, show me the path. Like, show me where you'd like me to go, what you'd like me to serve, how you want me to do things. Because I'd rather die than go back to what that was. I'm not doing that ever again. And it was like a decision that I made. I was like, I'd rather die than do what I was doing ever again. And I'm committed to doing whatever it takes in whatever way I can to change it. And then that's where the podcast was born. And that's where I started holding conversations because I was hungry. I was hungry for the knowledge. But what I didn't know is I was hungry for the knowledge because I truly wanted wisdom. But I didn't have any wisdom. I mean, I had some wisdom. That's not true. I had some wisdom. But the wisdom wasn't integrated. So now what we do, what I do, is we have a mentorship program for entrepreneurs that helps them really start their journey, get them in motion so that they can put their voice into the world. It's called Freedom Accelerator Mentorship. We also have the Breathe Breath and Wellness Program. It's a three-week experience where people can learn from the wisdom I got from traveling around the world and from doing this art and science of breath since 2016. And we also have the Wellness Wisdom Podcast, which I've just literally killed the Wellness Force Podcast. And now I've birthed the Wellness Wisdom Podcast. And then we also have a community that I'm in the process of creating, you know, and this, this online community seems really powerful for me because the global, and I'm not exactly sure I'm going to call it yet, Joe, the global community is going to be a place where it's an incubator for, to get us in person. What we need isn't just another online community. None of us need that anymore. I mean, they're, they're, they're powerful, they're important, but, but we need to have an incubation online that brings us back in person. Those are the ways in which I serve now. And, you know, a, a lot of the one-on-one -on -one people that I work with in either life or business, they just come to me. It's, I don't advertise that. I do have, 
this freedom accelerator mentorship that I can apply to business or life for people, but it's not something that is my primary source of revenue. I mean, I only work with 14 to 16 people a year. And so it's a high price point. It's something that, you know, I really feel strongly about because I've cut my teeth in knowing how to podcast, knowing how to grow, knowing how to go through these many arcs of wellness and intelligence. So those are the ways that I serve now. And I'm sure those will change too, because we, we change, we evolve, we grow. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It was beautiful. It was a little hard to hear. I can't imagine going through that, but I really appreciate you being so transparent. Thank you. I like you even more now. <laughs> it's a beautiful story though, because it didn't make sense to me, right? Because I, I haven't been a student yeah. of yours and I love your podcast, but I didn't really know. And it totally makes sense to me now without even understanding it. It makes sense. Like where that was born from and how that came to be. It's really, really cool. Thank you. And I also feel like for, for me and for all of us, the, the layers of imprinting. So you and I go through experiences and I don't really know your backstory too much either. I'm excited to learn about your story. I'm sure your audience knows your story. Like when we go into the depths and we start unpacking who we are and the experiences that we've had, there's, I guess you could say remnants or residue of healing that we need. We have these literally imprints, you know, our, our mind is a meat radio. So we get imprinted and then we spend truly the rest of our life unpacking that, reframing that, re-imprinting that. So everything that's transpired for me, it truly has brought me to you. Like, so I can be myself. Like, look at the title of your show. It's such a beautiful title because everyone's so wrapped up in being like everyone else. And oh my God, it's, it's like, it's so alluring and it's so toxic at the same time. And we don't need that, but we all need to do what we all not need to do, but what we all get to do, what we all really are called to do is to learn how to be yourself. This is exactly the conversation we're having. It's so interesting that you said, you talked about being you and the title and everything, because I truly didn't even know the world of Instagram until I think three years ago. I was just myself. Like I didn't follow people. I didn't know what influencers were. I don't even remember why I got on Instagram. I was on Facebook, but I was in network marketing and had this business and I was the, you know, big mover and shaker. And I was on there truly just to, you know, grow the business by being a, a funny or, or helping people out and adding value. I mean, that was, it was the, honestly, that was the intention. I didn't give a shit about Facebook, but I was on there to grow my business, but I knew. I intuitively knew that you can't sell to people that way. So anyway, and then I discovered Instagram a few years ago and I get now why the name of the podcast is resonating so well with people because so many of us, trust me, I have all kinds of other shit, but I never had the, I need to be like other people. Yes. I had the, I need to be what everyone told me I should be. But so many people who listen have said to me, the name is refreshing because I'm so tired of everyone online telling me, that I need to be like them. Like I joke about the Sally, the influencer hat. Like if you have the hat and you've got the lingo and you have this, and then if you have the blue check mark on top of that, oh my God, it's like, anyway. So you mentioned breath and I gave it away in the beginning by saying, besides breath work, they know from the intro that you are, I will call you a breathwork expert, but will you talk about that with us? Um, we could have a whole episode just on that. I mean, this is something that you are so passionate about and you're so knowledgeable about. I will tell you that I don't know a lot. I've been afraid of breathwork. I didn't know if it was resistance because it was like a wisdom 
or because I have a lot of trauma in my past, a lot of sexual trauma, a lot of trauma. But either way, I was very, not just hesitant, I put my hands up to my coach, Steph, and said, something doesn't feel right about this. And he honored that. I dipped my toe in and dissed it a little bit and was like, okay, okay, there's a lot here. It's like I knew, Josh, that I always tell people that like what I deeply desire is always what I fear. Like my biggest, deepest desires are also my biggest fears and breathwork goes in there. Like I know, I know you know, but I know that it is the key to unlocking so much for me. And I also know I'm not ready. Like, okay, I wasn't going to talk about myself, but let me just, I think you'll find this interesting. So I did a little bit here and there in my coaching over the last year, maybe three times gentle breath work over the phone. And then in person a few months ago, I was actually in Austin in the home of my coach. And I did what I would guess you would call a a breathwork session, a typical, like we're in person together. And it was the most terrifying and the most beautiful experience of my life. Like the most terrifying and the most beautiful. So I'm such a fan of breathwork and I want my audience to learn more about it. And if I'm transparent, it scares the shit out of me. So I haven't gone there yet on this show other than mentioning it. So there you go. And I love that because that's what happened to me in 2016. That's what sparked my interest in breath work. And by the way, it's not just work. I I wish there could be a different phrase of it. You know, like I think of breath as an art and a science. So there's so much that goes on. The reason why it scares you is because it taps into so many of those, I guess you could say, access points of trauma. It's the ultimate lens for the access points to trauma in our life. Somatic experiencing, a core tenet of that practice is breathing. And if you look at the really where breath came from, I mean, thousands of years ago, as far as recorded history can record, and even the recorded history that's been changed or burned or left behind or whatever, there has always been a practice especially in India for breathing, right? The pranayama, the breath has been a core piece of how people access not just different states of consciousness, but how they tune into their surroundings and how they actually live, not just survive, but live. So, so at, at its core, what really what breath work is, is, is this, this art and this science of the only, and I'll say this really strong here, it is the only lever that we can pull for our autonomic nervous system. Autonomic meaning automatic, right? In our central nervous system, there's a branch called the autonomic. Autonomic digests our food, blinks our eyes, helps to peristalsis for for chewing, so many different functions. I mean, the list is long. So what I'm saying is things happen automatically in our body and we don't do anything for them. But breath is very, very, very special because it is the only lever that's both voluntary and involuntary. In other words, something breathes you, right? God breathes you or higher power breathes you or whatever phrase you want. Nature breathes you and you breathe yourself and you breathe yourself. You can consciously pull that lever. And when you pull that lever, and this is the power, when you can, when you have controlled respiration through the art and science of breath, you can have releases like yawning. You can have releases like shaking, trembling, screaming, crying. And the reason is, is because there's a place in the breath work and and there's three phases. The first is acute. The second is meditative. And the third is cathartic. What you went through with Steph, I I assume was catharsis. This is a 20, 30, maybe 60, 90 minute session where you're doing rolling breathing, circular breathing, breath hold retentions. What, What this does is it puts your body in a state of intermittent hypoxia, 
You, you might get tetany, which is where your hands cramp, your mouth cramps, you get dry mouth. These are all great things because what you're doing is you are literally circling energy through all four. And I'll say this clearly, all four diaphragms. We have four diaphragms. We have a diaphragm in our cranium, which is the cerebral spinal fluid. We have a diaphragm near the thymus. We have a diaphragm that's our actual diaphragm that helps our lungs. We also have a pelvic diaphragm. So we have four diaphragms. I've never heard anyone ever say that before. That is fascinating. Yeah, it was fascinating to me when I started researching the program three years ago because I was like, wait, what? I thought we just had one. <laughs> so, so when I learned about it and I started to dig into the PubMed and into all the, the science stuff, I was like, wow. So when we're breathing, it's way more than just inhale, exhale. It's can I tension my perineum? Can I tension my mulabanda? Can I tension my throat, my jalandhara? Can I literally visualize and can I lift my head so that the cerebral spinal fluid starts to rotate? When we breathe, we breathe in orbit, right? We breathe from the pelvis, from the bathroom muscle, from the perineum, all the way to the top of the head and your entire body breathes. And then when I started learning that, I was like, no wonder I cried in 2016. No wonder I cried because all the emotions that are trapped inside of me and I'll speak to both, I'll speak to two people right now. I'm going to speak to the science person that likes to know all the science. And I'll speak to the person that doesn't give a shit about science and is hardcore spiritual. Whether you are scientific or spiritual, the reason why breath work has powerful results is because it is acting upon both faculties. It is acting upon your mind and your logic. It is also acting upon your spirit because the Latin in spiritus is to breathe, right? That's, that's Latin for breathing. So when we're breathing, Jill, and when we're going through this experience of catharsis breathing, and we still haven't talked about the acute or the meditative, when you're in true catharsis breathing, you get out of the way and the breath does all the work and you cry and you yell and you scream or you do whatever you need to do. And you don't need to know why this is the, this is the most powerful thing. You don't need to know why something's coming out. You just have to accept that it's coming out. Because knowing why is another trap that you asked me in the beginning of this podcast, why people have to know because they're victims of the intellect. They're in the mind. They're in the mind. And I'm not demonizing the mind either. The mind protects us. The mind is a great protector, but it's not a great master. You know, we're not, we're not built to be on guard all the time. So when we're in breath work, the guards release, the troops drop their weapons, your protector pulls back and your body can release. If you look at Joe Dispenza's work or Bruce Lipton's work or Bessel van der Kolk's work, any of these practitioners, uh, Peter Levine's work, they're all saying the same thing. And that is issues reside in tissues. We have afferent and efferent nerve endings. We send and receive signals to our brain through all these different arterioles and everything in our organs. And what happens is we get stored trauma there. A lot of people, if, they, if their lungs are, if they have weak lungs or if they have chronic bronchitis, they're dealing with grief. A lot of people have digestive issues or, or pain in their liver. They're dealing with anger. You can look at reference Chinese medicine for this. What happens in breath is you start getting this cerebral spinal fluid and the meridians activated. You don't need to know why it works. It works. I can explain to you more and more science about what happens in breath work, but all you need to know is that whatever you're holding on to that's subconscious that you don't even know you're holding on to, it's going to come out. So Jill, it's totally valid that you don't need to like sprint to a breath work session and blast off to outer space. I'll close by saying, if you're an astronaut, day one of the job with no training, they wouldn't send you into space. So you don't need to do that with psychedelics or with breath work. You need to take your time. So 
that's what I, that's what I'll end with. I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I've said to our listeners, because I've talked about this with them that, because we've mentioned breathwork, but I've been honest with them saying, I am not going to have a podcast telling you to be yourself. And then I'm not going to be myself. I honored myself. I said, maybe, maybe I'm just afraid, maybe, but something's telling me not to do it. And that experience I had was just such a confirmation for me that it happened at the right time. I was not ready in the last year. And I'm just starting to get warmed up to feeling like maybe I'll do another session. But it's so important for us to honor ourselves and our own body, right? It's, it's because if you allow it, your body will guide you. So thank you, though, for being such an advocate of breath work, saying that it's good that I honor myself. Can I ask you a question about why you waited? Yeah. Are you okay with that? So when you say that there was something that you couldn't put your finger on, I forget how you worded it, but you essentially said something like, I knew it wasn't the right time. What part of you knew that it wasn't the right time? I can't explain it. I would say the part of me that knows myself, that's the part of me that knew. It wasn't an intellectual, I don't think it's the right time. It was my body, like, in me and inner knowing saying, you will do this. This isn't procrastination. The time is going to, you'll know when the time is right. And I'm telling you, I knew when the time was right. It wasn't Josh that I did it and said, oh yeah, that was the right time. I knew going into it that it was the right time. Like I, I'm the one who said to Steph, Hey, I'm going to be there anyway, doing some podcasting. I'm ready. I feel ready. Yeah. I love that we're here because this is actually something that that is not normally discussed on podcast and it's super duper nuanced, but it's probably even more important than breathing itself. And that is your intuitive faculty, your intuition, much like when you sharpen a sword, it can only become razor sharp and it can only become really accurate if you spend time. And it's no surprise to me that you waited and you couldn't put the words as to why. If you spend time sharpening your intuition through unique emotional regulation practices, you know, doing work with your spouse, doing work with a coach, like really slowing down and listening to your soul. Because when you listen to your soul, there's no argument. You know what stresses people out the most about should they do breath work? Should they do, should they break up with this person? It's, it's all in the mind. Yes. I just got chills. And we think, we think that what our mind is telling us is what we're feeling but it's bullshit because if you're really feeling something, there's no argument. There's nothing you have to prove to someone else. Yeah. If, if you are experiencing an inner knowing, you don't have to write an essay on it. You just, it's almost like Neo in the matrix. You remember when he turned, he just lightly said no. And he put his hand up and the bullets fell. That's when you know that that's when you know your soul is guiding you. So your soul was guiding you there. And so you had to go through this really permission to self access to spirit, access to your own intelligence and go, okay, there's an inner knowing inside of me that does not require um, a, a explanation. And that is what is guiding me to it. And then when you go to these places, it's not like, I think what happens and I've fallen into this too, is we become so wired. We become so distrustful of self. We don't trust ourselves. We should we be with this person? Should we not? Oh my God. Oh my God. It's all the mind. It's all the mind. It's like this exhausting roller coaster that dispenses calls being addicted to stress. And I have felt it so much in my life, right? Because I came from a, my father yelled a lot. My mom yelled a lot, especially like she was Sicilian. So the Sicilians yell a lot. And, and so what I, what I'm sharing with you here is just, I just wanted to presence that for you, for me, for the audience, because 
it's not only about doing breath work or allowing yourself to, you know, be open or be intimate with, with your own breath. It's also about making sure that you're sharpening your intuitive faculty so that you know it's the right time for breath, so that you know it's the right time for psychedelics, especially for psychedelics. Don't ever do any psychedelics from the mind. Only do psychedelics if you feel pulled, if you feel ready. So glad you're saying that. Yeah, because that's a huge, especially here in Austin, that is a huge black hole where people think the pot of gold and the golden ticket is at the end of the rainbow with psychedelics. And it ain't true. It, just, it simply ain't true. I'm, it's so refreshing to hear you say that. Okay. And you're not saying, they're, you're not demonizing them, but I'm so happy that you're saying that that's not the only way. I have heard people. Again, with the big followings, essentially they're saying, if you don't do plant medicine, don't talk to me. Ugh. They don't really say that, but that's how their, that's energy, their energy, that's yeah. their energy. And there's an arrogance about how many ceremonies they've done. And, how, and I, you know, intuitively just in myself, there's no effing way I'm going down that road. And it's not judgment. It's I know that there's a lot of shit in here that I am not ready to face in that way. And I have to do a lot of other I don't know what to call them. There's going to be a lot of growth that will happen before I ever even consider that if I ever do. But it's someone said they thought I was being judgmental, but I'm like, no, I think it's beautiful. I love that people do that. I just know, as you said, I don't need to write an essay on it and I don't need to explain it to you. I just know for me, like I think it'd be great for TK. Awesome. Not me. But yeah, so it's funny because as I said, I don't know all these people who are listening to our podcast, but if I measured it by the people I hang out with, I would say that people I hang out with are very open and still learning behind you, you know, when it comes to this journey we're talking about. And some of them might judge that like plant medicine and some of them might be a little afraid of it, but I think all of them are getting inundated with, it's all about plant medicine. It's all about plant medicine. So, and, th- and there are people recommending it. Like people I really like on social media recently, someone was talking about microdosing. Everybody should microdose. I'm like, what? The f- don't say that. No, that's not true. Everybody should microdose. No, 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 no. Yeah. I really feel like this is an important topic now because we're in the year 2022. And I consider this to be a year of mirroring a year of self-reflection, you know, like, like me plus you equals two, right? So me plus society equals two. So we're, we're in the year 2022. And this is like the perfect year to, to self-reflect and to go in. Really like, I feel like all of 2022 could be winter. We could just hibernate all year. And like, you know, I know we need nature and connection and community and all these things. And that, and that that's part of why we're here. But really what you're talking about is we are all looking, we all fall into the trap of looking like way outside of ourselves for the thing that's going to give us that, ah, that peace, that relief, that knowing. And we just, it just doesn't work that way. It literally doesn't work that way. And I know that because I have fallen into that trap a lot in my life where I'm like, well, if I just, if I just do like one more ceremony, actually, I'm being called, I'm being called brothers and sisters <laughs> to ceremony. I'm being called. And, and you know, because your body will light up, like we talked about earlier, whatever you somatically experience when someone's teaching or preaching or talking, that's probably the truth. When someone goes to like 56 ayahuasca ceremonies in one year, they're probably not going to find what they're looking for in a ceremony. No. <laughs> a great resource for this is the hedonic calendaring system from Jamie Wheel and Stephen Collar. They wrote a book called Stealing Fire. And he talks about, yes, if you're going to do microdosing, it's fine. But I would add on to it this. First, start with your breathing and meditation. Start there. Get good, get clear, 
get have some acumen in those arenas, then do a Vipassana. In 2016, I did a 10-day Vipassana, which is a silent retreat. A Vipassana is a 10-day silent retreat where there's no speaking, no masturbation, no sex, no meat consumption. All you do for 10 days straight in silence, not speaking or looking at anyone else as you meditate. You meditate, you eat, and you sleep for 10 days. That'll rock your world. I don't recommend that to everyone, but that's a really big piece. But if you can do that, if you can go through that, then you're ready to start microdosing and then you might be ready for our psychedelics. And then also you can use tools like the float tank that we talked about. But here I'll say this. I think you can begin with breathing. A lot of the students that we have in the breathe program, they'll literally say stuff like this. I cannot meditate. <laughs> I do not meditate. I don't like being still, but there's something about this breathing that allows me to breathe and then meditate. Because when you learn how to breathe properly, and I mean, you know, we don't even have time to cover the nuances and the depth that we do in the program. But like when you're breathing properly, you have an anchor. You can stop the default mode network. The default mode network is our prefrontal cortex, the posterior cingulate, and the amygdala. There's other structures, but those are the big three. And when those are lit up in the brain, it's impossible to be in flow. It's impossible to be present. And to the degree that we have capital T trauma, lowercase t trauma, unprocessed trauma, learned helplessness, um, addicted to stress, all these things play. It's, it's very, it's very layered as to how we show up in life. That's the degree that it's going to be challenging for us to meditate. So people can actually shame themselves, Jill, for years and be like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm a shitty meditator. Well, that's just the way that you stay stuck is by shaming yourself about how you can't meditate. Like get out of it. And so how do we get out of it? We start moving the diaphragms. We start breathing. We start moving. We don't have to train. We don't have to go and lift a bunch of weight. We can literally start breathing and then go to the Vipassana, to the float tanks, do some longer breathwork meditations. We have some, we have some more light, more mild meditations in the program, and then go to what you did with Steph, right? Or, or, or what people can do in the catharsis. And then after that, and only after that, can people go to what is called the medicine? And I mean, the true medicine. A lot of people talk about going to the medicine and medicine calls them, but they really just want to get high. Don't fucking lie to yourself. You just want to get high. Or cool. They want to be cool. Or, or cool. You want to go to ceremony, but it ain't ceremony. It's just a way for you to unplug, disconnect, or you know, fill in the blank. But, it, but it's not really medicine. It's not really ceremony. So that's, that's a huge caveat. Mm -hmm. I would guess that, that most of my listeners are not doing plant medicine and intuitively, I feel like most people listening to my podcast think it's interesting or they've never heard of it or they might consider it in the future, I would guess. And so I'm so glad you're focusing on breath work. So the program you're talking about, if I'm understanding you right, this is something that anyone can tap into and they can experience meditation and breath work. Is any of it live or is it all recorded? All the content is recorded. All of it's delivered through an app. All of it you can take with you. You can download it and be with it and experience it at any time. But the core of the program is that we do have an option in 2022 where we're going to be doing weekly breathing together, weekly breathing meditations. But that's part of the community that I'm in creation of. I'm going through a massive like death and rebirth cycle, like literally right now. As we're I talking. love it. I love it. So a lot of a lot of what I'm sharing with you, this is like March, April for us, 2022, that it'll that it'll come out. So I don't know when our conversation is coming out, but it'll be maybe at that time or what I'm creating will be shortly after we release this. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, tell me what the app is called. So you go to breathwork.io and at breathwork.io, that's where you can sign up for the program. And the program's three weeks. 
We have three distinct phases where I teach you how to do the acute style breathing. Acute is when you're stressed, when you're angry, when you're triggered. There's very short, powerful practices, including pratyama or alternate nostril breath. There's so many different ways, Jill, to get out of the head and to get out of the mind so that we can give the other two lenses some, some view, some light. And then there's also a lot of practices for longer meditations. But you know what lights me up the most? Actually, I just added this to the program. This is the thing that's like, yes. I found this technology called binaural and in binaural technology has isochronic tones. So you have this 360 audio experience and it starts to elicit response in the brain for Delta alpha and theta waves. And so obviously Delta for sleep, alpha for creativity. You say, obviously, no, we don't know. It's not sorry, obvious. Sorry. It's okay. Go <laughs> back. Right. Delta first. Okay. Delta for sleep, alpha two for creativity. And then there are some access points in theta. Theta is really rare. Theta is considered to be like the most high vibrational altered state. And so in the program right now, we have seven. We're going to continue to build with our partnership with, with Metaverse Music. He's an incredibly talented musician that knows exactly how to emotionally, spiritually intelligent, put these binaural tracks together for people. And then I guide people there with a breathwork meditation so that they're experiencing audio entrainment and they're experiencing breath at the same time. That's in the program as well. That's what I'm most excited about because it's turning down. You know, I talked about that default mode network for people, the part of the brain where it's supposed to be at rest, but it's not because of their traumas and layers and progressions. When we start to get more of our senses involved, we start to get real healing. So if somebody were asking me like, what's the golden ticket? I would say, go out into nature, put your feet in the ground, microdose when appropriate, if you've had the correct pre-framing. Then listen to the binaural technology and do the breath work at the same time. That will shift your state. That will shift your state. You do not have to do the microdosing, but if you do and you're ready for it, and if you have progressed in a safe way in order to do that, so you can hold it, you can have some profound experiences. I am so excited that this came up because I didn't know you offered that. And I mean, unless you've listened to every one of my episodes, you wouldn't understand why I'm so excited, but I'm excited because... We talk about, because I'm like certified to be this, you know, trauma-informed coach. And I was like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not doing any coaching. I don't have any offers. I don't offer. I don't do anything other than talking to this microphone and interview people. And so people will ask me, but what can I do? I'm like, go back and listen to this episode. Go find this person. Go hire a coach. Truly, Josh, this is such a gift. Like, I'm genuinely excited about it for myself. I'm thinking of my son who's 17 who just last night, oh my God, just last night, he's sobbing in my arms just about life in general. And I can see what he can't see, right? He just sees through the lens of pain. And so he's everything's distorted. But this would be a beautiful gift to him. He doesn't want to talk to a coach. He doesn't want to talk to a therapist. I'm so excited that you offer that. So uh, we'll definitely obviously link that up. And I'm encouraging everybody to do that because I have spent Let's see, it's a year, almost a year and a half I've had this podcast and I've been super transparent. I've I've talked often about my trauma, about what I'm learning. Everything I learn, I come in here and say, okay, this is what I learned. Everything that I'm doing, everything I'm not doing, everything I'm resisting. And I can just feel that what you just said is a huge gift to me, but also to them because they asked me for the thing. I know it's not the only thing, but it's a huge fucking thing. Yes, if they is. just do the breath work with the sound that you're talking about on an app, wherever they want to do it, that's life-changing. 
Yes, because what you're going to experience there is the truth of what's already there anyways. In other words, you're not going to be able to hide from whatever you're experiencing because I have designed so very, very quickly. I designed the two for breathing and the, and the retention holds and the timing and the music. The way I designed it was built off of my own experience. My own experience. I spent a month in Thailand, this island called Kopanyan. And all I did every single day was I trained with uh, the founder of Soma. His name was Niraj. And then after that, I went to Sedona and I did work with Anahata Ananda. And then I worked with Gwen Payne. And then I learned from Dan Brule and I, and I learned from Dr. Belisa Vranich. And I learned from all these people. And I was like, what is the core thing that they're all doing? They're all giving people the right kind of space and the right kind of teaching and cueing so that they just know how to bring out their own shit themselves. So they can just heal themselves. I'm, I'm not here to heal anyone. I'm not here to, I'm not here to fix anyone. I'm just sharing what I used for myself and what thousands of students through the program have gotten results from. And that is when you exit the mind through the audio experience, through the breathing, through the somatic clearing of what, of what breath truly is, you can start to see life from a different lens because you're not so clouded by the barking of your intellect and the barking of the mind. That's really what we're talking about. Yes. And I call it being like gunked up. It's like you're gunked up. And when you can get some of that out, yes, you see everything so differently. And then if you do add in a coach, okay, that's great. They don't have to try to sift through all the shit that's blocking you. <laughs> you know? Or maybe, or maybe the breath is an ally to help them sift. But, but yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we finish, we have to have to have to spend a little bit of time talking about, oh gosh, this could be eight hours, but the, w- what's going on in the world right now? Uh, yes. With cancel culture. I'm going to tell you something. So I don't know if you, I said this to Angie Lee. I said, I've made an observation. It's so funny. Austin is like its own universe. Like it's like normal in Austin. Like, oh, let's just do breath work on Wednesday night. Like, okay, that doesn't happen on any night of any year in Indiana where I live, right? So there's so many things that are normal there. And in that community, there are communities just like that, many other places. But my point is that the people who are really in touch with themselves, let's say, and spiritual and, but not religious, you know, really, you know, doing a lot of deep inner work. Those are the people, Josh, that if I would have looked at them, I would have said crunchy libs. Everybody would be pro Biden. Yeah. There's this new, I'm going to say like group of people. And I think it's because of all the shit that's happening. And I've never talked about this with anyone. I was texting with Angie. I'm like, am I crazy? She's like, I think I know what you mean. It's like the other people that I would have 100%, not judged, but labeled. And I think accurately, I always told her, I'm like, I smell patchouli. I know who you're voting for. But now there are all these people that are like, hold on a minute. I'm not so sure about this anymore. You just trampled on my freedom and that's not cool with me. Maybe I voted for you before. Maybe I'm pro-choice. Maybe, 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 but you don't have me anymore. You don't own me. And they're like on this their own island. So I'm just going to let you share your thoughts and your feelings about what's happening in, with cancel culture and the whole Brene Brown thing that just happened with Spotify. Whatever, illu- and I'll say this very slowly, illusionary side, whatever illusionary side that you f- think you're on, it's all a construct of your mind. You're not actually a Republican. You're not actually a Democrat. They don't fucking exist. I know, I know we think they do because we're fed it all day long by the media and by fear tactics. 
you know, have you ever seen that Will Ferrell movie, Anchorman? Yes. You know about that movie? Yeah. Well, that movie is laden with truth. There is so much truth in that movie because he plays this stupid anchorman that literally will read anything off the teleprompter. And I think they play with him, right? And they make him read some, some weird stuff. But also they show you in that movie how the more bold, the more black, the more red, the more white, the more shocking that the text headlines can be, the more ratings, the more sponsors, the more you are monetized, the more that your attention is a currency. And so that's the preframe for what I'm about to share. Because right now, we're in a really interesting time where it's not actually about sharing your truest opinion that drives clicks, that drives revenue. It's about sharing an opposing view or hopping on the energetic bandwagon of whatever's trending. And, and, and people have known this for quite some time. I mean, I've taken a lot of different marketing courses and understood a lot of things. I'm like, you know, we should be creating content as soon as a current event comes out. So do a solo podcast on, on the deep state and do a solo podcast on this because it's happening. And I'm like, I haven't figured out what I want to say yet. And by the time that I actually get the wisdom from whatever I'm witnessing, usually the trend is on to the next thing. But what I can share now that we're a little bit away from what happened with Brene Brown and what we're experiencing with cancel culture is this. Everyone has to be fully wide-eyed and bushy-tailed to what you are being fed. And what you are being fed is not the truth, is not someone's real opinion. These people, and Brene Brown's just one of them, they have huge marketing teams that are all studying clicks, trends, hashtags. There are things called BIs or business engines that is an AI computer that listens to what people talk about online. Everything, I don't know if you know this, but every single thing that we say on this phone, it's recorded, all of it. It's in the terms and conditions. Every single conversation we're having that we think is private, it's being recorded, it's being fed to this BI engine, which is one of the most powerful artificial intelligences ever to be on planet Earth. And that AI, a lot of different AI companies out there, Michael Saylor is one of them. He's a big Bitcoin person. So a lot of these huge mega companies have probably billions of dollars that they have invested into these artificial intelligence or BI engines. And these engines scrape the internet. It's what creates trends. And it's all about money. It is 100% about money. It has nothing to do with news. It has nothing to do with your health. It has nothing to do with your well-being. You are being monetized. I'm not here to scare you. I'm not here to be a conspiracy theorist. It's happening in plain sight. Open your phone and read the terms and conditions. It's right there. You are being monetized. We all are. So if I allow myself to click and comment and do all these things, and I still, even though I know that, I still feel like sometimes I comment too much or I give it too much of my attention. So what's happening with Brene Brown is her marketing team, I assume, her marketing team saw the trend. They jumped right on it. Her following grew because of an opinion that maybe she didn't even have. And what she shared was, I'm removing my podcast from Spotify. I'm removing my podcast from Spotify because of the Joe Rogan thing. And then there was this like pause, this great pause for like a, a day. And of course, all of these people that are like, and I hate to even say this phrase, the woke tribe or the people that are like, they pride themselves on being so spiritual and being so liberal and being so this and so that. And I don't even like those terms, liberal and conservative. I don't like using those terms, but you saw them jump on her feed and you saw them go, thank you for showing us what true patience is all about. And just praising this woman. And that's exactly what her marketing team wanted. They wanted people to do that. And then the next day she said, oh, 
just to be clear, I, the only reason I did that is because I wanted to learn what the community guidelines policy was on Spotify. It wasn't actually about the Joe Rogan thing. I just wanted to demonstrate pausing. And it's like, no, you aren't. We all see what you're doing. We're not stupid. Well, many of us aren't stupid. So that's truly what's going on is when Joe Rogan's wanting to be, quote, canceled because he's bringing on doctors, which, by the way, doctors that have patents, some of the most celebrated and respected physicians in the world in their field that he's interviewing. He's not giving advice. People forget this. I don't give it. When people come on my show, like when Zach Bush comes on my show, it's Zach Bush speaking. I might ask him questions to share my opinion, but this is the person that's triple board certified. The founder of the mRNA technology, Robert Malone, many other physicians that have been on Rogan's show. The reason why it's irritating is because it goes against the narrative that people were fed and they're, they're hateful towards it. What do, we, what do we get most angry about in life? We get most angry when we're challenged about things we don't understand. We like to live in our little comfortable bubble and eat whatever is fed to us in the same way that our parents spoon fed us applesauce in a baby carriage. Like that's just how we evolve by letting go of that. So what's happening with cancel culture is we are seeing a separation of wheat from chaff. We are seeing people even more in division right now. And it breaks my heart. And I'll use my own medicine that I shared with you earlier from my mind, from my intellect. I'm really angry. I'm really angry. I'm like, how the fuck can you guys let this happen? How can you guys let this happen? If I breathe and I get into my body and I feel my heart, I'm really just sad. I'm sad. I'm sad that people are allowing this to, to continue this charade. Children wearing diapers on their faces, grown men and women that are being shouted at for wanting to go to the grocery store. I mean, it's just, it's, I never actually assumed that in my lifetime, I would ever witness something like this. And I think we're all feeling that on some level. And so what does my heart feel? My heart feels sadness. What does my soul feel? My soul feels in this time, why we're experiencing this is because things have to get to a boiling point and we have to go through the eye of the needle and we have to be squeezed so much that all the things that aren't love have to be pushed out. Because somewhere in the future that we're living backwards in the year 3000, we're in a society where people treat each other with love and care, where they believe in the nature that's in our bodies, where they have a connection with higher power, where we're not in such scarcity. That, that world exists in the future. I believe that. I really do. You and I just signed up to, to be a book in the page of life, which is, by the way, for what I can tell, been going on for 250,000 years when you look at organisms, billions of years before that with dinosaurs. And who knows what's even coming in the future? You and I are on this little page and we think that we're going to outsmart nature, <laughs> that we're going to somehow outsmart the intelligence that made us through our intellect. It's a disease. We're victims of our intellectualization here. And so, of course, another disease that stacks on top of that is cancel culture. Well, if you don't agree with the way that I see the world, you're fucking done. I'm deleting you. I'm this, I'm that. So that's really what we're experiencing in the world. And the antidote for all of this is to take a breath, to pull way back and to have conversations about the ego, the heart, and the soul. Those are the types of conversations we need to have because when we're having those, I'm listening to you. You know, when you're, when you're sharing with me, your heart, your soul, your ego, I can hear them all. But when, when someone's just barking at me from their ego or from their intellect, well, if you understand the science about the mass, you wouldn't feel that way. What am I even going to say to that? Like, what, 
possibly could come from that type of interaction. And the same way exists for me. If I were to shout at someone, I can't believe you're wearing a mask, you idiot. That is the stupidest thing I could ever do. There's no wisdom in that. So we need to take a breath and, be, and look from the wisdom of that observer, like the child with the kaleidoscope. And we need to see that we're only looking through one lens right now. We're not, we're not respecting the other two. That's what's going on with cancel culture. Yeah. And, you know, the whole thing of misinformation, that term, I, I said to Brene Brown, who I have to tell you, I'm not sure that it was a marketing team. It's funny, guys. I, I'm not sure that I agree with you on that just because I've studied her and I really admire her. I personally believe, I think that pause was genuine. I really do because she does teach that. It's all, I mean, it's, it's so a part of what she teaches. However, I called bullshit on her yesterday when she came back around again now and said, okay, now I'm back again. Oh, she came back again. Well, yeah, because now with all of the old footage of him coming up using the N-word, she came back on and said, hey, just so you know, this is what happened before. And now I basically, I was kind of like, I'm stuck. Like I'm sitting at the same table as Joe Rogan. I have to be. And this is, you know, where I am. And she said, you know, she talked about how the words he used in past episodes, how dehumanizing they were. What were the context of the words he used? I, I haven't heard this. Oh, you don't know about this? No, no. Oh, oh, okay. He did a whole apology. He he came on and it wasn't the cheesy one that you see from everybody. It was a Joe Rogan style. Like, look, I fucked up. For something that he said recently? No, in the past tons and tons and tons of times, he used the N-word. But what he said was, you know, Preston Smiles, he talked about it and he's like, it's not okay. So what Joe did was not okay. And when he explained it, he said, I would never call someone that. I would. N- it's not what they're saying. He goes, I was literally repeating other comedians. I was like talking about how that word... They took it out of context. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So either way, because I, I do want to learn from people like Preston who are saying, you don't hear it the way I do because you've never experienced it. He shouldn't have said it. He voluntarily took those old episodes off. He, he even said, he goes, you know how honest he goes, I'm embarrassed. He said, I wouldn't apologize if I didn't need to. He goes, it's awful. I hate hearing that I said that stuff years ago. So it's gone. But what I said to Brene Brown, Josh, I was actually like one of, I don't know, 50 people chosen in the world. That sounds so egotistical. But she chose a certain number of people in network marketing to teach her work to network marketers. Okay. And I did that for, I don't know, six months or a year. Wow. And I truly believe so much in her and her, her mission and what she teaches. And she's a, she's a scientist and she is someone who has studied, et cetera, et cetera. But I will call bullshit where it needs to be called. I'm not a Brene Brown worshiper. So I said yesterday something like, Brene, here's the deal. You are so professional, so much grace, so much heart. And I call bullshit. And here's what I call bullshit on. You just talked about how Joe Rogan was so dehumanizing to women. Well, you've been sharing a platform with artists who are speak so horribly about women in Mm. every other sentence of every other fucking song they have. Don't tell me you feel that strongly about the dehumanization or misogynistic terms when you've never said a word until now. Yeah. And I thought I would get annihilated by trolls and by all the Brene Brown. No one commented on my comment. Nothing. To me, that's like the psychosis that's happening right now. Like the whole thing, I know we need to wrap up here, but like the whole thing going on with the virus, I spent years lecturing all over North America on health and wellness and nutrition. And I went into 300 schools, Josh, unpaid 
talking to kids about why they shouldn't eat gushers. <laughs> you know, like I was so <laughs> passionate years and years and years ago doing that. And so when they say that it's, it's about health, I just am infuriated because if it was about health, they'd be talking about how to be healthy. So Brene, you know, as you talk about how, because she said, and I quote, you know, I'm really concerned that Joe Rogan is increasing vaccine hesitancy. Okay, but you're not admitting your own bias here. It would have to be true that we're 100% sure that vaccines are the best way to go and that they're safe. That's the misinformation. And so anything that goes against that is misinformation. That word just drives me crazy. Sure. It's also, wow, there's so much there and I do have to run pretty soon, but you just dropped a huge bomb that I hope your community unpacks with you because even the term misinformation, I don't even know where to go from from an etymology standpoint, but you can label anything as misinformation quite simply just because it doesn't align with who you think you are or what you think is true. So the term misinformation in itself is misinformation. A better term, a better term might be, hey, this needs review or let's review, right? Let's review the information. Or I don't agree with that, right? Wouldn't you be cool with them saying, hey, Josh, Jill, I don't agree with anything you're saying. Awesome. But don't tell me it's hurting people because it's not in alignment with what you say. You know what you blew my mind with as we say goodbye? You blew my mind with something that I wasn't even aware of. And that was, why now? Why now would any huge media influencer come out and all of a sudden say, I'm removing my stuff from this platform because I don't agree with A, B, or C? Well, then you better be willing to take ownership of all the years and millions of dollars that you made being on Spotify right next to a rapper that's calling women bitches that's telling people to get drunk and hurt themselves. And that's disrespecting the masculine and feminine openly and aggressively. One of the worst people with this is Cardi B. The worst. This is a woman who is spewing dark sexual energy at children and she's doing it and laughing in our faces all about it, which is a whole nother podcast. So yeah, yeah, Brene, you better be willing to have a conversation about why you shared space with her too. Are you willing to have that conversation? Yeah. So I feel you. And R. Kelly. R. Kelly. It's the worst. Or just look at <laughs> look at any of these songs where they're knowingly prescribing to kids that they should get drunk and do drugs and have sex and do all this. It's, it's a darkness. It's called Wetico. Everybody, everybody search Wetico. How do you spell that? W-E-T-I-K-O. W-E-T-I-K-O. Wetico. Okay. It is, okay. It is what happens when we let dark energy in. And we mm. wash our hands of it and, and we let it run its course. That's what's happening with our society. But all these things, they're pushing us to the needle. They're making us grow. I'm grateful for these things. And also they can be challenging. So we just need to hold each other through this time. Yeah. And I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much. You this was so fun. I mean, I don't even know what the hell I'm going to title this thing. This was like a big giant buffet. <laughs> we covered breath work. We yes. talked about censorship. We, oh my gosh, it was so good. Thanks, Thank Jill. you Thanks for so me. much, Josh. I'm, I'm truly, truly happy to have you in front of them. And I'm excited for them to find you and to find that app. And I'm personally going to become a student and customer. Yes, I'm excited for you to, to experience it because, you know, and it's something that we need lots of conversations about. Every podcast should have multiple practitioners come on and talk about this science because it's so important. And multiple practitioners come on and talk about emotional intelligence too, because every teacher has their unique gems that they drop. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. 